There are a lot of places. It's good to see everybody out this morning. I wanted to talk about marriage. I've been planning to do that for a while. Uh, not because I had an anniversary this past week where uh, we've been married 45 years. Somebody asked me this morning how long I've been married. I said 16,438 days. Now, when you say it like that, it sounds like you just didn't like being married all those days, but that's how long it's been. And I had the calculator out the other day, and I just thought I'd figure that out and took all the leap years into account, and that's what it come out to. And when you talk about marriage, a lot of times people want to say, uh, you know, negative things about it. And I thought we should uh, start off with a joke, and I couldn't find a good joke to tell this morning, except, uh, you know, when you argue with your spouse, it's like reading the terms of service on the internet. You get tired of reading, and you just get to the end, and you just click, I agree. And that's what happens quite often in marriage. You get to the point where you just agree, uh, and uh, that's the way it works. And there was a young man who asked his dad what it was like to be married. His dad looked at him and told him to shut up and leave me alone. And then a few minutes later he goes, why are you ignoring me? I guess that one went over everybody's head. I wanted to talk about marriage because I think in our society marriage is starting to be something that's frowned on. And it's not a black-white issue, it's a God issue. And God tells us that we are to be married if we're going to have children and have some of the benefits that marriage brings. And I was looking on the internet and I found a survey that had been taken and they asked adults, and this is in 2020, they asked adults, was it very important for couples having children together to be legally married? And the answer to that question in the positive was 29%. And I thought how sad our society has become. And it's not just in America, it's around the world. Marriage is dropping off. 40% of the children are born to unwed mothers nowadays. And that may even be higher based upon the statistic that I looked at. But I want us to realize that marriage is something that is important. It's something that has been ordained from God. And look at some of the passages that I want to talk about or mention this morning before I get into, into what Jesus had to say about the subject. In Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, "...let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth." I think most of us that got married when we were young can still picture our wives as she walked down that aisle or wherever it was in the courthouse, wherever it may have been when you uh, had that ceremony and the two of you were united in marriage. And that wife of our youth is something that is important because we grow up together. We experience life together. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22, it says, Who findeth a woman, find, or findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Well, you may look at a passage like that and say, Well, you don't know my wife. I'm not so sure that that's a good thing. Well, the problem is sometimes we're not doing things God's way. And when we do things God's way, both parties, the husband and the wife, it is a good thing. It is what God wants it to be. And that takes work and that takes effort. It takes determination. And husbands and wives had to make that happen. In those 16,438 days, do you think that it was easy to live with someone as wonderful as I am? 
My wife knows better than that. But do you think that was any easier going the other way? It takes work. It takes challenges. There's things that have to be done. You have to work together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9, Live joyfully with a wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun, all the days of thy vanity, for that in thy portion is this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Live joyfully with a wife whom thou lovest all the days of your life. That doesn't mean everything's going to be wonderful. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties that you have to face. But the joy comes in the fact that you have someone to go through those difficult times with. Someone that is going to help you and encourage you. And as Rodney read for us, that's what God put a woman on the earth for, was to help her husband. And her husband was to help her. They were to work together. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable in all. And a bed undefiled by whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. What do all those verses have in common? I don't think that it's hard to see that all of them talk about how much of a blessing it is to be married. And I believe that statistics show us that even being married is good for our health. And sometimes we may wonder about that. Uh, how good can it be? But it really is. Why? Because you have someone to share your, your, your problems with. They see the stresses. They help you in those situations. Again, if we're doing what God wants us to do. Helping each other. And I've said this many times that the individual that told me this, that they thought that the, that the wife or the spouse's job was to help the other one to get to heaven. And if we're striving to get to heaven... Aren't we looking out for the good in each other? Yet, we hear a very different message being preached in our culture today. Again, I want to remind us that this is a God thing. You see, there are organizations that are out there that are trying to destroy what God says a marriage is supposed to be. And we need to understand that it's up to us as Christians to stand up for what's right and to live that example in our own lives. In our society, marriage is something that is becoming more and more obsolete. And this can be seen in a variety of different ways. We can see that our society says gay marriage is now the way to go. And unfortunately, I hear people in the church sometimes say, what's wrong with that? Well, there's plenty wrong with that because God did not ordain that type of marriage. God ordained a man and a woman. That was God's plan. Well, they're just in love. Yeah, well, they may be in love, but they're in violation to God's Word. Someone that's in an in a, uh, adulterous relationship... That may be love, but it's still wrong in God's sight. Divorce seems rampant. Fewer couples are getting married today than ever before. And part of that is due to the pandemic. But the trend was going down in marriage long before the pandemic. 
All of this only complicates our evangelistic efforts. You think about when you go out into the world today to preach the Gospel. The complications that you're going to have with transgender marriages, with gay marriages. You say, well, that's no problem. Well, it is when you're trying to save souls because you need them to see that what they're doing is wrong and they can't remain in that kind of a relationship. And you can see the problems that it's going to cause. And sometimes it causes us to just sit back and do nothing. We'll we'll take a back seat. We're not going to say anything because I don't want that job. Let somebody else handle that. Well, it's all of our responsibilities to take the Gospel into the world. And every single one of us at some point, if we're not careful, is going to come in contact with a situation that's very difficult to deal with. Do we compromise what the Bible says? Do we try to change what the Bible says? Do we try to excuse what the Bible says? Well, I'm not. And neither should you. Because God's Word is what we're going to be judged by. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last days. So we're going to be judged based upon what God's Word says about how to live our lives, about what God says even about marriage. All of those things are going to be important on the Day of Judgment. And so let's remind ourselves of what the Scriptures declare about this important issue. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew, the 19th chapter. That's where we'll be eventually. But I want to remind us again of what Rodney read for us earlier in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, beginning of verse 18, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave name to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." God said that that was good. Everything that God created in the universe was good. And marriage is good, and that's God's plan for a man and a woman. And it was just like everything else that God created, it was good. And so since God created marriage, that means that He has a right to set the rules for it. You and I do not get to change it. You and I need to abide and follow what God's Word teaches concerning marriage. And we need to be telling other people when they question what it is that God says about marriage, we need to be showing them instead of people saying, well, we want to get rid of God. And when we get rid of God, guess what? That standard for all of life starts to change. And that's what we need to understand. And so we need to understand that.
That's okay. God made everything good, and that's what we need to understand about all of life that God has blessed us with. And marriage is one of those things. And so God sets the standard, God sets the rules, and that's what we want to look at, what Jesus has to say about those things in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 3, listen to what it says, And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put us under. They said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. And so that's what Jesus is telling us here. He's giving us the rules. And we understand that marriage, from what Jesus says, is between a man and a woman. A male and a female. And that was true from the very beginning, from the creation when God created man and then took a rib from his side and created woman. That's what God intended for it to be. And I don't care what organization says or what group of people say or what government agency says that they have the right to change it. They don't have the right to change it. God's Word is what stands and that's what Jesus says is the truth. And that's the way it was and is from the beginning. And we need to understand that. As He said in verse 4, And He answered and said, Have ye not read that He which made them in the beginning made them male and female? I said we live in a sick society today. You, you, if you fill out any medical forms, you've got to answer all kinds of questions about your gender. You remember back in the day, it used to be, are you male or female? Now, we don't know what anybody is. There's terms of what, was, uh, what were you born as? What are you legally uh, considered? What do you want to be? Well, guess what? I'd like to be a millionaire. But guess what? <laughs> I'm not. And my bank account proves that. And can you imagine the confusion that kids are going to grow up with when it's left to them to decide what they're going to be. What are we doing in this society? What are we doing to this world that we live in? You see what happens when we get away from God? God said as male and a female. You may not like it. You may know people that are in uh, situations that are different from what Jesus says. They're wrong. They're wrong. And they need to change if they want to go to heaven. Jesus says, goes on to say, that the two are joined together as one. Verse 5 
and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and leave and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. That's what Jesus said. They're joined together. God joins them together when they say that they want to be married, when they, when they do it legally. God joins them together. Now somebody said that the problem was uh, comes when they're joined together. And the problem arises when one tries to decide which one is going to be in charge. <laughs> well, what we need to understand is that God joins us together and go back to the original cause to help each other. So we're joined together to work together to work together in getting to heaven, to work together in raising a family, to work together to build a home, to work together to, to encourage one another, to work together to care for each other. Because from time to time, one gets sick and needs to be helped. And that spouse, as I say in, the, in, in my wedding ceremonies, cares for that spouse like a, they would care for a child. And we see that. So we're joined together to work together, to strive together. And then Jesus also tells us that it's a lifelong relationship. In verse 6, what does He say? Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So God joins them together. God joins them together. How can we override God? How is it that we can say, God, we know better than you and these two can be taken apart? No, God says that He joins them together. And I've heard people argue, well, it says, let not man put us under. So it doesn't say it's impossible. When God said, let not man put us under, He meant let not man put us under. Man should not strive to dissolve a marriage that God has joined together. There are exceptions. And we'll get to those in a moment. But it's a lifelong relationship. Therefore, there are no more twain but one flesh. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 2, it says, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead she be loose from the law of her husband. Now Paul in that relationship, he's talking about the law, the old law being done away with. And when Jesus died on the cross, that old law was done away with and they were no longer part of that. They didn't have to be obedient to that law. We're not under that law. But what does he use to illustrate that? The husband and wife relationship. That if the husband dies, that wife is no longer bound to him. If the wife dies, he's no longer bound to her. That's the picture that we see. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 39, it says, "...the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord." So again, we're bound for life. You say, well, that's like a life sentence. Yeah. 
That's why you need to be careful who you marry. That's why you need to know that person before you marry them. And sometimes they display some of the things that you're going to have to deal with during that courtship process. And how many times have you heard someone say, I'm going to marry them and then they're going to change? Only to find out that they married them and they didn't change. Peter realizes that do your chase life by doing what you're supposed to do, living the life that you're supposed to, you can lead your spouse to Christ. But most of the time that doesn't happen. And then Jesus tells us that divorce is permitted under one specific condition. Our society says you can have a no-fault divorce. Again, man has an idea that it's okay, we can do what we want to do, we can override what God's Word says when God, Jesus, plainly tells us what the exception is. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. And in Luke chapter 16 and verse 18, He says, Whosoever putteth away his wife, and marrieth another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband, committeth adultery. Jesus has, or God has joined a couple together. He's saying that that union is something that is very important. That it should not be dissolved except by death. And then if one spouse is unfaithful, then that's the only other reason if that spouse that was innocent wants to dissolve that marriage and marry someone else, and they have that right to do so. But that guilty party, Jesus says, if you're the guilty one, you don't have that right to marry. Again, our society tries to override that. But that's the standard which we'll be judged by on that last day. As Jesus said, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. Somebody said to me one time, so you mean my husband can beat me? And I have to live with them? No, I didn't say that. The Bible just says you can't marry again. You should work on those things. You should work those things out if you can. Again, marry people that are living by God's standards. God's standard does not allow a husband and wife to hit each other, to hurt each other, we're to help each other to get to heaven. That's our goal. So we see that God has a purpose for marriage also. And one of those things is companionship. Whether we like it or not, it's miserable to be alone. Now there are times, I'm sure, in all of our lives where we may say, oh, it'd be great to be on an island all by ourselves. Nobody there. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But what would happen if you got sick and you were all by yourself? You see, some of those programs where they take you out alone is one of the one of the programs that I'm thinking of. They take you out in some wilderness area and they drop you off all by yourself. 
Now, the interesting thing about that is that you're not really by yourself because you have some device in your hand that you can call for somebody to come. I'm talking about alone with no one. No one to call, no one to help. Who would want to be in a situation like that? And God said that it's not good for man to be alone. And why is that? Because sometimes when we're alone, our imagination starts to go wild. We think things that aren't true. We dwell on things we shouldn't. And so God said it's good to have a companion. And even if you're single, there's still people around you that care about you and you care about them. And so they're there to help you. So there's nothing wrong with being single and staying single. You don't have to get married. But one of the ways that God helped for that, taking care of that alone problem, is marriage. And so He made a helpmate for Adam. We also know that marriage allows people to be sexually pure. Again, in our society, it is becoming increasingly more immoral, immoral every day. And in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable in all and a bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So again, God realized the sexual nature of human beings was something that was very important. And so He made provisions for that. A man to have his own wife and a wife to have her own husband. That's God's way. But we see in our society today where people just disregard God's law and want to have children out of wedlock have children out of wedlock. And then we also see abortion problems that, that, that exist because people want to use that as their means for not having children. But God's way is to wait until you're married. Do we do that? How many Christians violate this? As God's people, we need to realize He's given us a standard that we need to live by. And the main purpose for marriage is to glorify God. God created man and woman, and God created marriage. We have to make sure that we glorify God in every aspect of our life. If we're married, we need to bring out the glory of God in that marriage. Our marriages should be a light to the world. People out there in the community should see that we're happy and joyful in that marriage. And that when we have difficulties, that we work together to get through those problems. The world can see that. And in the process, God gets the glory. Why does God get the glory? Because we're living by His standard, not the world standard. And I hope, young people, that you can see that this world standard 
isn't going to save anybody. It's causing more problems than it is going to fix. God's way is the only way. God's way is a way that every one of us should be determined to follow. Is it easy? Not always. But it'll get you to heaven. And that's really what's important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Whether there whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. If you're married, God's blessed you with a spouse. That marriage should be joyful. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you should be striving to work together, to love each other, to cherish each other. And by the way, when we cherish something, we take good care of it. We don't hurt it. We don't harm it. We don't throw it around. We don't abuse it. We don't neglect it. And a marriage is something that is very important to cherish. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. God has put an awesome responsibility upon a man in that marriage and in the fact that how he treats his wife will determine whether God hears and answers his prayers. So let us all, as men, those of us that are men in a marriage situation, let us all strive to be the kind of husband that God wants us to be. And wives, be determined to be the wife that God wants you to be. Look at His standard that He's given. Look at what Jesus has told us about it. Realizing it's something that's a blessing from God. And strive to be what you should be. As we conclude, I want to remind us all we don't have to be married to go to heaven. You can go to heaven and be single. And marriage is not for everyone. I think the disciples knew that. And some people could not live by the rules that Jesus has set forth. And so it's better for them not to marry. If you can't do what God says do, then don't 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 do don't do the marriage. But this I can tell you for sure. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that He is the Son of God. You have to believe that He died for your sins and that He rose victorious over the over over the grave. That He is the Messiah. He's the Savior. And believing that, you're willing to repent of your sins and turn away from those sinful things that you're doing. Confess the name of Christ before men and then be buried with our Lord in baptism. That simple act of going down into the water and coming up out of that water is for the remission of our sin, as Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And there it is where our sins are washed away, and as described in Romans chapter 6, it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He hung on a cross, He was laid in a tomb, and He arose victorious over the grave. We die to our sins. We're laid down in that watery grave of baptism, and we rise up out of that water in newness of life.
Our sins are washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, if you need to do that, we would encourage you to do that. Maybe your marriage isn't what it should be. I would encourage you to go home, talk to your spouse, and try to work those things out. Make it a better and joyful uh, situation. Strive together. Because it takes both of you to make that marriage work. God will help us if we'll allow Him to do so. This morning, if you haven't done what you should to become a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. If you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.